Hi, this is Mark Wilshire. You're listening to another episode of Finnish Football Show bonus episode behind the quarantine. This episode, we're behind the quarantine with a football agent. So we're trying to work our way through all the different different jobs within Finnish football. And I'm really happy today to be joined by Chris Cleaver. Hi, Chris. Hi, Mark. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. We had a little chat beforehand. I'm very pleased to see you bobbing your head to the theme music there. Thank you very much. <laughs> Bit of appreciation for what we're doing here. Um, I'm going to get for those that have that, that don't recognise Chris's name. I'm going to talk a little bit about his connection to Finnish football, what he's doing since he stopped playing, and and how things have been affected by what's going on with the uh, with the coronavirus right now, and uh, and how certain leagues have well started in germany or looking to restart in the case of the uk and, and finland as well so um thanks again chris uh, you were you were part of the asikor sjk seniyoki story um as the club rose up through the leagues maybe tell a little bit about your your time there and and at other clubs in finland not not just yeah Senior. no i mean the 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 Saniyoki story kind of began with my my first year in in Finland when I when I came to TP Saniyoki originally um I guess that was where the love affair with Saniyoki started um uh both on and off the pitch so I met my wife they all started in that in that first year but um I yeah I came to to TP um spent what I thought was going to be only half a uh, sorry one season on loan uh and then come back to the uk to play uh, that was my plan um i came back to the uk after the season I, um really enjoyed the, my time in finland but just kind of thought it was going to be that and then came back and uh got got a bad injury broke my ankle in a in a i think it was a trial game for rochdale funny enough was it just down the road from where i live now it's not not far um and uh by the time i was getting fit uh, the season was ending in, in England and beginning again in Finland. So came back out to, to Seinjoki. It was the only club that, um, or say the only club I had, obviously had contact with them, but it was really close to the beginning of the season. So other clubs that I tried, you know, they were all kind of full. Um, and Seinjoki was the only club, where they, they obviously knew me, so they wanted they would take me back. But I kind of played without without being paid for a season just to get, get an opportunity um, again to get my foot back in the in the door and uh yeah my career basically went on from there moving around finland i was a year in sweden as well um had some great years in in uh in vanta with alianci uh in turku with tps uh in Sari with yaro um and then decided towards the end of my career to come back to seniorki uh to sjk uh that was when they were in the second division and uh uh, the rest is history, should I say, and the, the club's gone on from there. It's kind of kind of around the time that I became connected to Ashikor. I mean, we we moved here. I moved here as a family now twelve years ago, so that's two thousand and eight. Um, but but in the beginning, the first few years, I was in and out of the the country. I came to one or two games a season. I didn't really realise. Kind of well, it was a second division club, so you know I didn't realise the history, I didn't realise the merger, I didn't realise the club was quite so brand new when I first first started coming. Um, but 
after a few years, I was then based here in, in Sainiyoki and, you know, started to go more, more regularly. And that's the time where the, where the club really started to, uh, to go up. Um, and you were, you were part of that team that got promotion from second to first and then the first up into the, uh, into the Bakehouse League. Yeah, it was, um, to be honest, you say that you didn't realise the, the whole, you know, uh, how would I say, plan or the, the, the history behind everything. And um, I, when I came back, I didn't, of course, I'd spoken to the owners and, and they kind of sold the, the, the project to me, should I say. Um, but I didn't realise how, how, how big and how it actually was until I, I until, you know, I got there and, and re- could see everything that the, uh, that they had it had in mind, and maybe it was a dream at first for them, um, you know. And but it became reality quite quickly, and I think that was uh, probably the su- the surprising thing. But one big memory for me is it was always in the first game. I think in the second division when we played, we were away, we were away. Um, I think it was the first game, or at least I remember it was at the beginning of the season against put um, in was it Portishead or somewhere like this. And it was nil-nil, and we were the clear favourites for, for the, to win the league. You know, we had a really good team, um, a lot of ex Vegas Liga players. And then it came down to the, I think, with a few minutes to go, and I remember scoring the winning goal. And it was, and there was like maybe three or four, three or four SJK fans had come along, and Larry was one of them because he ran onto the side of the pitch when we scored. And and that that moment, I kind of everything, like you know, the whole season could have swung on that moment. I know it sounds a little bit silly because it was the first game, but um, I just felt like you know you knew something was going to happen because we had that little bit of luck to to get that goal and then uh, and I think kind of that sums up the whole thing for me you know there's like a, three or four fans there watching it and then that's where it started and then now look when you look at the stadium and, and where it's gone to it's it's just an amazing story and for me as a, I was like quite many years there as a player and as a coach to to have been part of that it's, it's you know it's always going to be with me and. Um, that's why I still have a very strong affiliation and, and affection for the club. Yeah, I think when the when there was the first game in the new Oma Aspir Stadion, uh, I think I saw you on the terrace. You were a couple of couple of rows behind. Everybody wanted to be there for that for that first game, if possible. Yeah, um, I, I don't know. I, I still I, I kind of feel like when I when I come back to Saniac, I like to when I come to watch the games. I, I always come and sit with the fan with the fans, or if I'm in the in the in the main stand, I usually sit. You know, just uh, with like family or friends or whatever, I kind of, I like to still be, I don't want to be in that kind of corporate environment with, with where, you know, I like to still feel the, feel the atmosphere yeah. and feel the, you know, the, the, the real situation that, that it is. Mark, Mark and I from the Finnish football show, we did a tour of the stadium last year because Mark lives in Porvo and he came up to Seinioki for an afternoon and Larry gave us a tour, which we put out as one of the, one of the shows. And uh, yeah, those, those seats are, up, up there in the uh, in the VIP bar, padded, soft seats, and then you know where where I am behind the goal. Well, I, I don't think I've ever sat on the seat during the game, apart from when we do the the passenger song and everybody has to sit down before yeah. before dancing. So the seat, the football is not for sitting. That's not what it's about. I no, I mean, don't get me wrong. That's that's fantastic, and it has to be. You know, it's part of football, and it's yeah. it's, um, it's uh, hospitality part is is fantastic, and. Um, I don't think there's many other clubs in, in Finland who have anything like that. So to you know, take your hat off, we have that um, available. But just, you know, for me, I still like to feel the, like I say, the, the real real atmosphere with the, with the fans. No, you're right. And, and having that side of the business allows us to have 
season tickets that are under a hundred euros. So that's yeah. you know that's that's the bonus. Club, yeah, yeah. Um, so you you finished playing in two thousand and thirteen. What was what was next? Um, that was a, a difficult situation for me. I remember um, the season ended and on such a high. We just got um, uh, promotion to to the to Weltkampfliga and. So on a personal level, I felt quite a bit of pressure to to succeed because I, I hadn't um, really thought long term, which is not the smartest thing to do, you know. As a, as a but I, I kind of didn't think that my my career or my playing career was going to end at that point to begin with. So I, I felt like I still had a few years to to really, you know, consider you know what kind of uh, avenue I was going to go down. Um, and then we finished. We we got promotion. We won. We won the league. And I. I it was a little bit bittersweet because I kind of felt afterwards through all the celebrations and the drunken celebrations and the talk, you know, when I was talking to, to the people, you know, in the club, I kind of felt like it was, they weren't hinting towards that maybe it's the time to end, end now on a, on a, on a good point or, and, um, I it kind of just, I don't know. I, I, I said to them that I need, I need time to, to think about what I'm going to do next. So I went away and I went to, I remember precisely I went on holiday uh, with my family for for a couple of weeks, and um, got a few phone calls off Keke at that point because he was still working at the club, and he was like, "Chris, have you made the decision yet?" And I'm like, "No, I still need a few more time, a little bit, a few more days, a little bit more time." And then, I don't know, then eventually, I because we had spoken about the coaching role as well um, with Simo, and maybe that could be a, ne- a next step. And I just felt like it was the right, t- it was the right time to stop. You know, it was, it was. I didn't want to. Um, I didn't want to be in that the position where someone else is is telling me that you're not good enough anymore, or you're going to sit on the bench, or you know, and as a captain and who someone who had taken the club for so you know so far, I would have felt a little bit um, not uncomfortable. I didn't I didn't want to go out like that, if you know what I mean. That's a, a bit of pride as well. So it was it was a good. Uh, I'm really happy with the decision. Actually, um, I think it was the right thing to do, um, and it has proved well. It proved itself that it was. I think. Um, uh, so yeah, it was it was a tough time. One of the toughest decisions I think any football will will, will tell you that he has to make. Um, uh, I've also one good part, part about it is that after, since that I've helped a few people in a similar position to me, you know, to try, try and make that decision. Um, and I think I've probably they've they've made the right one as well. But um, so you know, it's it's not only helped me that 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 point with using my experience, I've helped other people. Um, which is good, but um, yeah, it was tough. It was tough, and coming back into the the, the next season as a coach, to start to stand there in front of your teammates who you've been, you know, you've been through all those emotions with for for for, so, for, so, for like, three seasons, and then you know all the success that we had and everything, and then suddenly you're there. You kind of you have to separate yourself from that. It, it was it, that was really hard, and it took a few took a while to get used to. I have to say. I thought exactly the same thing about Richie Dorman as well, who who made a somehow an even bigger step and in a shorter period of time as well. We we talked about that earlier sure. this year. Yeah, um, actually, I haven't um, I haven't seen that with Richie. What you've spoken about, but I think it's one of the for me it was a, a maybe slightly easier because I had to. I was still involved with the team. I was there on a daily basis. I was interacting with them. So. I could still be their friend, and as a second coach, you kind of the, you're the go-between the, the head coach and and the player. So you have to be 
you, you know what the coach is thinking, you know what the player is thinking. It's up to you how you relay that information. You know? So I think you've got to be a little bit smart. But of course, these guys are always going to be my my friends, you know, as well. That's ultimately, you know, I can't, you could never change that after what we'd been through. So um, for me, it was probably slightly easier. I think with Richie, he's gone from a, he's gone into a role where he has to make decisions, which are not nice. Um, of course, he doesn't solely have to make those decisions. Um, and also he has to, he's in charge of things, of running the club basically on, on a certain level on the football side. So he's never going to be able to please everybody, you know, and he has to make certain decisions again that are going to uh, annoy people. And I think it's just about, um, for him uh, as a young sports director, he's just probably learning how to, to deal with people, maybe, you know, to handle people. I think that's one of the biggest life skills that you can have, you know, and if you, once he gets that right, and I'm not saying he hasn't got that right already because I know I've had a lot of good feedback on what he's doing, but I think that's probably his biggest challenge, you know, since moving from player to that role. The, the best move that he made was deciding to come on the Finnish Football Show and talk to us about what he's doing. So oh. things can only, will continue to go, go right, I'm sure, from now, yeah. from now onwards. Um, and, and now, and now, after after coaching, you um, you then moved back to the UK to work as a football agent. Yeah. So how did it, that how did that come about? Um, how did that come about? So um, at the end of my coaching contract with SJK, it kind of, it, we again it was like it was at a point we just won the league. Um, we just won the league and it came to another head of okay, another crossroads of where do I go now? You know, what's the I'd done, I think, I had a really busy period in that coaching, in, um, during that coaching period. I had uh, I'd done my B license, my A license. Uh, I had, uh, I was doing at the time of, with the PFA, an online degree uh, with the Danish University. Um, I had my kids uh, to look after and also coaching, as anyone, any coach will tell you, it's, 24 seven, seven days a week. Yeah. 24 seven. Sorry. Yeah. And, um, uh, I didn't have much time on my hands to, to, to really cut. So I, in the end I had to, you know, um, I put the degree to it to one side. I didn't, I, could, I just couldn't physically do it, um, with everything else. Um, and I, yeah, it came to a head really. We, we, like I say, we just won the league and I had to think about, well, what I was going to do next. Um, and, I think uh, it, I think obviously you remember Cedric Gogoa. Yeah, yeah. So it kind of happened. The the whole agency thing started through that. So I just uh, because I was out, my contract had ended, and we were still I was still talking with with SJK, and then Cedric um, obviously had a fantastic season uh, in that in that, and was probably one of the if not the best player in it, or at least defender in the league that year, um, and. I managed through my contacts, you know, I was talking with Cedric, I managed to help him get, get a move to, um, to Serbia. Um, so I actually did that, that deal for him to go, to go there. Um, and then after, after I'd done that, it kind of opened my eyes a little bit. I thought maybe I could kind of go down this route. It's a little bit different. Um, and I quite enjoyed it as well. It was, it was, you know, something I had personally negotiated my contracts throughout my career because within Finland, you know, that we're not talking, Premier League money here, so, so I was pretty much able to do that. Um, uh, and then I, you know, from my time in England as well, I had quite a few contacts 
or from my playing days who, who are my age, who are now gone into roles within clubs within England um, and around Europe, you know, throughout the throughout the course of my career, foreign players that I've met who are, you know, got older. So um, I kind of thought that it, this could be a, a new challenge for me. And I kind of just fell into it after Cedric's uh, move. I kind of, things just kind of snowballed from there. And um, yeah, I, I mean, it's been a big, big eye-opener, I have to say. So I, I don't realise how wet behind the ears I was when I started. <laughs> but, um, what, what have you learned? Oh, oh I, I, I'm, those kind of things should, should have been talked about. Right, okay, fair enough. No, that's good. Probably, probably right. Probably for the <laughs> no, no. What have I learned? It's just it's, this. It's, it look. Um, this is just a. There's so much um, money involved in in the high levels of football. So I, my, probably the biggest thing I've learned is that there are no people have no morals in this in this business. So it's like they will do anything to you know to, to go ahead and it's okay I, people are like that I for me I, I'm um, of course I'm doing it you know to, to for a career and uh, I have to put food on the table but I think there's a certain ways you can go about things and certain ways you can handle things and do things and um, my role or the way I see a role of an agent at the end of the day is to represent the player and to get the best for the player so um, if you do the right job for him I feel like then the benefits will you know come around and you'll reap the rewards as well so I think and also for repeat business if you're doing a, a good job for a player um, uh, you know then you should get more off the back of that rather than just trying to you know optimize the or maximize the the return off of one deal yeah, doesn't... I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more it, I've got my own company here as well and you do it to make money to feed your family to have a lifestyle whatever whatever um, I'm not I'm so far from wealthy. Um, mm. And yet I, I believe you can, like you say, you can do it the right way and you can make money. Mm. And if you do, if you do that one day, you'll sit back and think, okay, I had a good life and I did things the right way. And I, I think that's, that's good to hear. How many, how many players are you representing now? Um, oh, to be honest, an exact number, I'm not, entirely sure but uh, around, around 10 yeah take a few yeah so, so it's not i mean I, i'm in, i'm an independent agent so i'm not working um i'm not in a in a within a company it's my it's my own um my own business so i think what, what i was going to add there earlier was that i think you have to kind of also understand your need your, you know where you are in the agent world the, the hierarchy of the agent world you know and in any business really i think you know there's the the big companies who can kind of monopolize things and then you have to realize where you were. It's taken me, as I say, I've been doing this for like three and a half years now and I've probably worked out where I am and where, um, where my, my value is and where I can um, offer the most value to, to the players. So, yeah. And you said before about um, like when, when, you, when you stop playing, you've been able to sort of speak to others about when it's maybe the right time for them to, to finish. And you also said about the, not not having the long term thinking for for yourself, so I guess those are two things that you bring to this as, yeah. as part of what you offer your players as well. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, I kind of you should see. I know you. They say you should never regret things throughout your, you know, what you do in your life or throughout your career. Probably, I did think about what I was going to do afterwards. Um, you know, and I've been, um, I'd say, quite smart financially with the money that I have and you know invested in 
certain things. And so, I, you know, it wasn't like I was just living from paycheck to paycheck. Um, it, I did have a plan for the future, but wasn't really sure where I wanted to go or what I wanted to do. You know, I knew it was going to be football, that's for sure, because I've been doing that since I, I can remember. So I knew it was going to be in football, but, you know, doing what exactly? I, I think that was... You know, some people, I think they just, they, they everyone, I would say that 99% of footballers think when they finish playing, they're going to coach and that's, you know, that's there. But until you step out on the pitch or until you get put in that position, you don't realise how it is or you, you know, um, and it wasn't that I didn't enjoy it because I, I still miss that massively. I miss the camaraderie I had with, with the coaching staff. I miss the, you know, the banter you have every day with the players and, um, and also, I also missed the, the hard work that you have to put in to, to do it. It was, it was really intense. And then the reward you get at the end of the week when, you, when, you know, when that pays off or you, something happens in the game that you've worked on or, or, or just getting the three points, you know, from. So, you know, I, I do miss that. But um, I don't know what swayed my decision to stop. I don't know. I, I, know it, I never say never that I wouldn't ever go back again. But I feel like that also um, has probably made me a better agent. Yeah. Um, doing that because I know how it is on the other side I know how coaches think um, also from a coaching point of view you know advice sort of, as my experience as a player as well um, so that you know it kind of it all gives adds more to, to what you can offer I guess and have you got players at, at sort of different levels of, of football yeah. in the UK yes um, my probably my main goal when I started to do this was to work with the younger players um, to, to you know, Scandinavian players uh, ultimately and then bring them well wherever, where, to wherever to England to, to Europe um, and that still is my plan um, I think I quickly learned that doing that you have to have a little bit of financial backing because the, you know when from it's okay saying you know I'll work with them and then eventually well what happens if that eventually never happens because the percentage of, of players that actually get to a point where you know you can make money um, is is very small and also as an agent you can't um, you, you can't receive money from a club until the player turns 18 so if, if I'm going to take a, a 14 15 year old player in Finland I have to invest time money for like three or four years before I'm going to get any rewards in that. So in, um, I kind of um, then obviously not through, the, okay, the reason that I went with younger players as well is because I, I felt like I, I had more of a chance to develop them into something um, using my own experience. And also the older players, most of them have, have agents, you know, especially here in the UK and it's a, obviously a different level, but um yeah, for, to, to get to, to actually get to a player to, to get a player is, is very very difficult um, so I, I guess my um, my the, uh, the best thing the best thing that happened to me was when I, I went I think I've told this story to a few people but I went to meet Gert and Mikkel in, uh, in Estonia um, with uh, they had a national team game so I, I went to this watch is, this is Gert Cams and Mikkel Axelov yeah, yeah. yeah. SJK players yeah. ex-teammates um, and more than anything like very good friends of mine we were we, we actually became very close and even to this day we still um, in fact I spoke to Gert yesterday so um, I went to see them in the hotel and um, they were sat there and uh, Ragnar Klavan was sat with them um, and we just got talking and then became friends and then 
once they became friends, we you know started to exchange a few messages, etc. And then uh, it kind of went on from there. And then I ended up representing him. So I took him from uh, that was my biggest probably move. I took him from Augsburg to to Liverpool, and then now Liverpool to Serie A. So. Um, yeah, I kind of say got lucky with that one. Thanks, Miguel. Thanks, Gert. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and 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 I, I was asking about the about having players at different levels of the of like the football pyramid over there because I'm I'm wondering. Um, obviously, football is on pause at the moment, and the different leagues are coming up with different plans. Yeah. And I just wondered how how you found that as something to manage with with your players. Um, well, I've been, I guess I've been fairly lucky. Most of the players, like I say, are Scandinavian that I work with. So they've, um, and they've been in, I've been lucky enough that they've been in good clubs as well that haven't just, uh, kind of put them on holiday. They've continued to pay them. Okay. They might've had to, uh, forfeit a certain percent, which I kind of fully backed as well. But I just said them to do it because it's, yeah, I think that's a, a fair, you know, they have to try and support the, the club as well. Mm. Um, in a difficult time um, and then there's so many kind of I guess what ifs because you it, it was so uncertain about when the season will start because what say for instance they agree to forfeit I don't know two or three months two or three months well what happens if the season starts again and then the club starts getting the TV money again and then it kind of they're not on holiday and they're playing during their holiday you know all these things have a kind of a knock-on effect which is um why this is such a difficult situation and causes so much uncertainty. So, um, I mean, I think that the reason why the, the, the big leagues asked at restart and are playing, I don't think they would under it. I don't think they like the, well, I know the other leagues probably won't. It's just purely for the financial situation that it has so much impact on, on everything. Um, and so many repercussions on everything that I think that they have to get the season, season finished. Whereas, you know, in the lower leagues, like here, I think league, league one and league two, last week agreed to um well league league one is close to my heart as those watching the video can see i've got my wimbledon tracksuit on and that's where wimbledon are in league one and that's still up in the air because half of the clubs really want to play because they want the promotion because it getting to the championship is a big deal and half of the clubs think it's too expensive to invest in everything required to come back safely league two has ended and then the championship and the premier league are trying to play out the, the remainder of the season. I would be surprised. I'll be surprised if the championship um, continues to be fair and League okay. One. I think I, I personally believe that it will only be the, the Premier League because I think the costs of, I think I read somewhere, the costs of the testing, testing only, this is without all everything else that goes, but testing only is around two, two million for the Premier League to finish the season, just the, the, the testing. So you can imagine as you go down to League one, for instance, like, you know, how are the clubs going to be able to afford this kind mm. of, and and to, to guarantee the safety of all the players, which is. So is it keeping you busier or are you kind of also having to wait and see and react to what comes from the different clubs? Um, I don't know. For me, it's been a, it's been a really weird period. I have to say I've, I've um, on a personal level, I've kind of felt like a little bit insensitive to be, to be active uh, in, you know, calling to, to clubs, calling, you know, because they don't know what's going on. And then how can they then plan for the next season? Or they don't know what league they're going to be in, for instance, here. So 
I felt a little bit um, strange. I've uh, so I, on a, me being like active and, and reaching out hasn't. I haven't been doing that much, but it's been weird because I found that more clubs have been contacting me um, during this period than normal. Um, and I don't know is that because they have time, like the scouts, for instance, or the, whoever they have time to to scout or to to uh, to to plan and um, which they normally probably wouldn't have because the season would be going on. Um, so, and they're just trying to keep up relations and, and stuff like that. So I felt like clubs have been reaching out a lot more um, than what I probably have myself. So it's, it's been um, a bit of a table turner in, in that respect. Yeah, really, yeah. We're the ones, you know, going big into the clubs. I was just looking down at my phone because I asked the other Finnish football show guys yesterday if they had any particular questions for you. And Mark has just sent basically war and peace like a, a whole series of questions and what he doesn't realize is we've been talking we've been talking for about 30 minutes already and you know mark i know you'll be listening you need to get these things done in time um and i think that we've we've had quite a good chat through the past and and up to the up to the present day yeah. um what about what about you mentioned before about going to Asucor when this when the season there started, it was towards the end of the, the UK season. And I, I remember way, way back in the day at Wimbledon, players would come to Sweden and play for a few months through the summer as part of a you know rehab or pre-season yeah. or, or whatever. And you don't see it so much nowadays. No, uh, I think the problem is because of the... Um or the regulations is now that uh, if a player was, for instance, the season, if a player would have come from England to Finland, then they have to play through their off-season in England. Mm-hmm. So um, I know from I know that specifically, that especially young players from Premier League Championship clubs as well, very difficult to very difficult to get to get them to go on loan to uh, a League One, League Two club. You know, so then say to them come over to Sweden or come over to Finland and oh but it's you've got if you sign there now you have to spend your summer holiday playing there and then you and then the other problem is then because they won't be able to transfer back to play in if they come back to the club they then can't transfer back until January right okay under 20 for instance under 23s if they play in the reserve you know so there's there's these problems with the the, tra- the transfer window. So I think back in the day when there wasn't a transfer window, when it was just free freedom of movement yeah. at any time, um, then yeah, I, that's no, probably that's, what happened more. That's, that's interesting. And and I would I would also say that if if any Premier League youngsters do want to go out on loan somewhere, then come to Wimbledon where they'll get they'll get where there's a very good arrangement at the moment with between Brentford and Wimbledon, and uh, you know. Aaron Ramsdale played for Wimbledon for half a season. He's now practically an England goalkeeper. And, <laughs> and Finland's young Marcus Fors, who we were very yeah. much following his progress. And he had a great first half a season at he Wimbledon. Did, yeah. So, you know, when all this nonsense with the virus passes, <laughs> we'll, have some, we'll have some young players down there. I'm sure there are, there are more influential people than me trying to make that happen anyway. But <laughs> uh, long, long may that continue. Um, Chris, I think we can probably wrap it up there. Thank you so okay. much for your time. I've learned. I've learned a lot. I'm sure that your uh, your old friends at Asicor will be uh, happy to hear you on here as well. 
Yes. Uh, any yeah. anything else you'd like to say before I uh, before I wrap it up? Um, no. Anyone listening to this, so support the uh, support the show. Um, and I think it's fantastic what you're doing. Uh, we, we spoke a little bit beforehand about um, about what you've been doing. Uh, five years, you said you've been. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Recording this and. Um, just uh, what we were speaking about now during the, this this situation, and people are at home a little bit more, and they see what you're doing, and maybe it's raised a little bit of awareness. They've got time to, to listen and, and to watch this kind of stuff. So uh, I wish you guys good luck with this, and hope uh, the success continues. And also for uh, for everyone there in in uh, Sanyoki. Yeah, thanks thanks a lot, Chris. So for those that are listening. Thanks for joining for this episode of the Finnish Football Show. Um, you can reach out to me and the other four regular hosts on on Twitter. Uh, you'll find the, the Twitter handles in the in the show notes. Um, <laughs> Keke has been he's been furloughed from work, so he's got a bit of time on his hands. So the Finnish Football Show now has a new YouTube channel and an Instagram page. So find us find us on there and uh, and show Keke a bit of love. Uh, while he keeps himself busy. And uh, until the next episode, whenever that may be, thanks for joining the Finnish Football Show. Bye-bye.